Hey everyone, welcome to The Ruins, a podcast about the journey of faith. My name is Nicole, and in today's episode, I'm joined by Santa Hughes Lauer, talking with her about Mother's Day and the church. We'll also talk about gender roles in the church, God as mother, and how we can create spaces where elevating women is an integral part of church life. Thanks for joining us. Here we go. It has definitely been a minute since you've heard from me. Uh, Truth be told, a little transparency, a lot of people talk crap about Joseph for the things that he says and does on some of these various platforms, and I do not have the same thickness of skin. But I'm here today because our topic is something that I have quite frequently thought about. And why not process some heavy topics with a good friend and shoot it out into the inner, into the universe for inevitable critique, right? <laughs> okay, so enough about my insecurities. I'm so graciously joined by my dear friend, Sana. So glad to have her on the show and to get her perspective today. Sana has been someone who I just met, I mean, like less than a year ago. And our paths have ironically crossed through countries and states um, as she also lived in Vancouver for a time, maybe another podcast. (laughs) Um, But I'm so grateful for just how she has spoken truth over me and has really seen me in a way that a lot of people haven't. Um, So I'm so excited to hear more from Sana today. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I feel so special. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be a great time. Okay, so Sana, for listeners who don't know who you are, I would love for you to share a little bit about yourself and give us a sense of what it means to be Sana in this season of your life. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, so I'm Sana. Um, I know that Joseph and Nicole will often have very cool people on this podcast that have written books or that have podcasts of their own or, you know, are influencers in whatever way they, uh, you know, have kind of established a platform for themselves. And I'm none of those things. I'm a very normal, average person. Um, Yeah, I live here in Spokane. uh, And that's how I met Nicole and Joseph. Um, but I'm married to a wonderful partner named Graham. Um, we have been married for six and a half years now. Um, I work in the creative industry. I do uh, brand messaging and marketing at a small uh, creative agency called Averson Creative here in Spokane. Um, and yeah, in general, I'm I'm an active person. I'm a passionate person. I'm an opinionated person, which is probably how I landed in this seat, but I'm really excited to have this conversation. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Awesome. Thank you for being here. So, um, quick story, a bit about how our, our paths crossed is we both got connected through our church here in Spokane, new community church. Because while we lived in Vancouver years ago, Joseph got an email from someone saying, we're also moving to Vancouver and we have like a mutual friend if you could like give us help and some tips. (laughs) And I think Joseph responded. 
to that email yes. maybe yes he did okay he responded very kindly okay yeah, wow. yeah. nice <laughs> um and then that was kind of it yes and like he that gave was us like our tips help. and we went on our way yeah. Yeah. yeah and little did we know that those people were from spokane and we're living in Vancouver, doing their own thing. And we were there at the same time, but never met. And then I'm we sure came we back. In the same place. It, we had to have been. Some point or another. Yeah. One degree removed the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we moved here to Spokane. And one Sunday, you and Graham went up to Joseph and were like, you are the person that we emailed. Yes. We are the people that lived in Vancouver. Totally. And it was just crazy. I remember Joseph coming home from church that Sunday being like, um, I just met these people that I think are going to be our friends. <laughs> and I'm like, uh. oh, I'm glad that was the impression we left. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. They're like, no, no, no. They lived in Vancouver and now they they're back. It. They wear blindstones. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. I was like, wait, what? That it's just it's just really special place for someone to hold attention with you where you experience a lot of hurt and trauma, but in a city that you still love despite all of it and you like still yearn for is a very weird tension to hold. And these people can do that for us. And so it's just really special. But that is very off top yeah, off topic. We, can, we as... will record another podcast about <laughs> yes. that sometime. I love that. So as we know, this podcast is all about the journey of faith. So Sana, tell us a little bit about your journey of faith. Yeah. Um, I have been a lifelong follower of Jesus, um, in the truest sense of the word. Um, actually both of my parents are pastors. Uh, they met in seminary and then had me, um, when they were each in their first pastoral calls. So, um, I, I guess I kind of knew that was weird as a kid because what pastor's kid doesn't think that they're a little bit weird, but I was definitely, like, I definitely grew up immersed in the church. Like you're at church every Sunday, you're at church multiple nights a week. Like it's just our community was church. Our life was church. Um, but what I didn't realize until I was much older is how unique it was to have both parents in that kind of leadership, uh, role. Um, by the time I was a toddler, um, I have a couple of younger siblings. So my mom, um, actively chose like, this was a, a conversation with my parents' marriage, not an expectation. She actively chose to step away from church ministry, um, so that someone could kind of, that they could raise their kids in the same church community and that someone was a little bit more available to the children. And my dad from age zero to 18 was always kind of my pastor, the pastor of the church that we went to. Um, and then my mom just was involved in different forms of ministry, vocational ministry throughout her career. Um, so I didn't realize how unique it was to kind of have that like egalitarian uh, paradigm in front of me. I just took it for granted. I was like, well, of course my mom's a pastor. Like, what do you mean? And I was very used to seeing her, you know, she would guest preach at places or do weddings or do funerals or whatever it was. Cause she, that was still part of who she was, even when she wasn't the pastor of a church. So, um, yeah, that's part of, uh, of my story. And then, yeah, grew up doing all the church camps and mission trips and youth group and, um, was just a very passionate young Christian, like never faith was never, um, really, I can honestly say it was never really a struggle for me when I was a kid. It was just something that was a part of me. And that I believed wholeheartedly and was so passionate about, um, and anybody who knew me in my 
childhood or youth group years that's potentially listening to this will completely attest that I was totally the kid that was like on fire for Jesus. And <laughs> and then I went to college. I went to a, a Christian university and it was actually at a Christian school. It was the first time in my life, in fact, that I had been a part of a Christian majority setting, even though I had grown up in church. Um, I spent my teenage years in Salt Lake City, Utah, so not a traditional, very religious culture, but not traditional kind of what we think of as like Christian, like evangelical Christianity. So I always felt like the weird minority kid in high school and stuff. So going to a Christian university was this very different experience because all of a sudden there were uh, the majority of people around me were Christians. And I learned so much about different Christian backgrounds that were different than my own. So that's when I started to put together some of these um, weird pieces about like, oh, my mom was a pastor and that was unique to some people. Um, and also where I think I just had a very, um, intellectual place to engage my faith and naturally at that kind of age of life. And, uh, I just started asking more questions and discovering more. I studied theology. Um, I loved it. And again, I, I clutched very tightly to my faith the whole, the whole way through, but you know, horizon started to open. Um, and then I think kind of throughout the rest of my twenties, I just grew, I would say I've, I've been, um, on a journey of very, just kind of gradual, steady deconstruction. A lot of people point to a very specific moment or turning point in their faith or, you know, a trauma experience. And I can, you know, point to certain experiences here or there, but there was no one turning point. It's just been me really trying to kind of broaden my horizons and be a more inclusive, critical thinker about a lot of these things and realizing a lot of the ways, I mean, certainly, you know, so much of culture and politics of the last several years have caused us to ask a lot of questions about what does it mean to be a faithful follower of Jesus? So I can truly say that I still um, love Jesus with my whole heart and I I want to follow Jesus, but I also um, I have a lot of questions and I wrestle with a lot of the cultural tensions that I think a lot of us kind of in this space do. So, yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much mm -hmm. for sharing that. I think it's so profound to have children grow up with women leading in the church. And as normal as it was for you to see that, that is something that I absolutely did not see in my church. And I can't help but wonder if maybe that really set you up to be the passionate, vocal, opinionated woman that you are without a fear of this isn't your place, mm -hmm. this isn't your arena, go find a different place, but that gave you confidence to be who you are. And I think when we can see that in the home and especially in church, not only do, you know, little girls like us grow up to be maybe more confident when we have those role models, but also other children can see that this is the norm and this is respectable and this is an amazing goal to have within the community that I want to be a part of as I continue to grow. So, I mean, as you're talking, our experiences are somewhat similar, definitely sold out, loved sure. church yes. when I was growing up. Yes. Um, but my church and home experience was so different. My home was very much what you described. Like my mother worked, she was vocal, she was opinionated and gave me so much confidence. And she just like 
was and is who she is like unapologetically and while sometimes she's a little bit shy about it and maybe that's just being an immigrant in a country that isn't super welcome welcoming um she still carried so much strength and boldness in her which just is easy to follow and for many years i mean even currently she was like a spiritual leader in our family in our household and my dad would absolutely agree with that where my mom absolutely pastored all of us my dad my brother me and my friends and women around and men around who would accept it (laughs) but church was totally different I never ever had a woman as a pastor until I moved to Portland in 2019 Um, was my first exposure. And that church isn't even egalitarian. She's not an elder, like kind of casting vision, but I still felt more seen than I ever had before not hearing an illustration about being a dad or golf or tools Mm -hmm. or some sort of manly, manly (laughs) thing that is all I ever heard about. Um, It was just really special and really purposeful. And yeah, I, I feel like hearing your story is amazing in the sense of like, you got so much, I don't know, woman insight into your formative years Um, (laughs) when, you know, a lot of girls struggle with insecurity and confidence and even like being in public, showing yourself, showing your mind off, showing your thoughts and feelings off and to see someone doing that vulnerably from a pulpit um is is really beautiful thing Mm -hmm. and so that is a lot of what we're going to be talking about today um but before we jump into more of that the reason why Sana and I are here because we were both on Instagram around the same time classic um yeah (laughs) like within 36 hours We saw a post, we engaged with the post and with each other, and we're like, let's record a podcast. Um, And so this is the fruit of that conversation. Um, So I would like to share about this post, um, and it it is in regards to something that is a sticky subject among women, among people um and especially around the church and that is mother's day um we should mention it is actually mother's day when we're having this conversation (laughs) yes yeah uh happy mother's day yeah (laughs) um yeah today is actually mother's day it is sunday mother's day i'm not totally sure when this episode will go live um but we're here together celebrating one another exactly as we are, how we come. Um, But I really appreciated this post that Saina shared that I read because it talked about so much of my feelings about Mother's Day and church. And with our backgrounds being different in the church of women either having a platform or not, it just makes it all feel complicated. (laughs) But yet we still land on the same feelings about it. So I'm going to read that post. It's by Shannon Martin. We will um, list her Instagram handle 
in the show notes. Um, But this is what really caught our attention. I'm not mad at Mother's Day. I'm grateful for my mom, my mother-in-law, the many who have mothered me. I'm grateful for those I get to mother and those who help me bear the task in a hundred ways. My frustration is with the church, which shouldn't be a place that compounds pain, yet often is. Our glossy Sunday school answers leave people out. We've curated spaces where pain and longing are considered complications. We ignore the one for the sake of the 99. If I called the shots, Mother's Day would begin at 1 p.m. on Sunday and not a minute before. Celebrate after church or don't. Church could remain a place where everyone experiences the love of God and the security of belonging regardless of their history. Might be a little late for a post like this. I'm just begging us to see beyond ourselves. Think of birth moms who still grieve, grown kids in your congregation who bear the scars of trauma or loss, the women who wish they were moms but aren't and might never be, the one whose mom recently died, the mom whose child is not with her. Think of them as you share your stories and pass out roses. Oof. So much to unpack there. But after seeing that post initially and hearing it again, being read just now, what were some of the thoughts and feelings that you had? Yeah, I think I felt compelled to share it to share it because I'd been ruminating on so many similar thoughts. You know, it just uh, over over the years, uh, kind of like what I was mentioning about just my own faith development, I feel like, um, or faith journey, I should say. Um, Mother's Day has become something that certainly when I was a child, I didn't think twice about it. I had a good mom and she loved me and there was a lot of other good moms at church that I knew. And it just felt like, yeah, that's what you do. You pass out flowers on Mother's Day and, you know, everybody, it's a happy day for everybody. But as I have, you know, grown up and met different people with different experiences, I've learned just how untrue that narrative is, um, that it's a day of a lot of just pain and, um, triggers and grief for so many people. And for somebody to name that as articulately as Shannon did just saved me a lot of time because I was hoping (laughs) to form kind of a similar thought, but I didn't know exactly how to do that. And she's just such an eloquent writer and just summarized it. So I just thought, I'm just going to share this. Um, And, you know, I have found that that message resonates with many people in my community, you being one of them, and you picked up on that. Um, really quickly. So I think to me, it just feels like a very important way to hold space for the huge array of experiences that people have in association with this day. Um, And just a truth that needs to be spoken. Um, I know we're going to get into this in a minute, but just why does this feel like it has to be a part of a Sunday morning worship service when really this is not there's nothing about this that makes there, there's no requirement for churches to do this. It's not Christmas. It's not like, you know, this is not a liturgical holiday. It's a cultural one. Um, and yet we so quickly kind of conflate it with what it means to be a Christian woman. So I loved what Shannon said in this post when she said that um, the church shouldn't be a place that compounds pain yet often is. And I think that no one's intention with Mother's Day when you pass out a flower or make women stand up is to make them feel pain. No, of course course not. not. Yeah. 
But yet there are so many blind spots among churches and within leadership that continues to just do the same thing because it's what they've always done, because it's comfortable, because it's probably well-received or the feedback is usually not negative. But when you unearth that a bit, the people who it's hurting, why would they ever come and tell you that they were hurting? It's such a tender space. I reshared this post on my Instagram and had many messages of women who were just appreciative that someone like me, who is a mom, who has a good relationship with my mom and also has children, are using my comfortability to extend eyes to people who this day is absolutely horrific for. And we can talk about so many different types of mothers till that's a whole nother episode. And, you know, maybe out of fear of excluding the one, we will just say that any type of mother wound that you have or frustration that you hold around motherhood, we see you and we want to hold space for you. And I am laying down any sort of flower I would get on a Sunday. It's so unnecessary for me. And the messages I've received of women exiting their gathering space during this type of acknowledgement time because they have been trying to get pregnant for years and couldn't and the sting of just the acknowledgement hurt. And you don't want to not be happy for the friends around you. and. But that holds such a hard tension, watching women get what you want, watching families become what you're begging for, seeing a mother with her daughter in a chair and knowing that that'll never be your story. Um, And even if it's only for a few moments at church, it stings and that's the piece that you're, you're going home with. You can have an amazing sermon after that or even be in an inclusive-ish church. But if you still decide to talk about Mother's Day, someone is leaving hurt, like full stop. Yep. Someone who's grieving, someone who has a terrible relationship with their mom, someone who doesn't have a mom, someone who, yeah, longs to be a mom, all these different scenarios. Yes. Yes. It's a hard topic to just boil down to a moment in a service. And that is why we feel so strongly that it doesn't need to be in church. Am I going to celebrate my mom? Heck yeah. Mm-hmm. Saint is obsessed with her mom. Yeah. Okay. We had conversations <laughs> yes. earlier about how incredible your mother is, who yes. I haven't met. Yeah. Oh, she's and I a dream. Oh, um, get her on the podcast. I yes. don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> yeah. But to just know that like, we do acknowledge that we have great relationships with our mothers, but that is not the case. And it doesn't need to be reminded in church. It's like having a scar that you forget about because it's healed and yet going back and sitting in a pew and it's starting to itch. And it's a reminder that there was a wound or there still is a wound. And a church should be a place of love and comfort and uplifting and that 
Mother's Day has become, and Father's Day, have, yeah, right, have, right. have just become these excuses for random, half-hearted celebrations. Um, I just say no more. Well, the irony, I'm glad you. we don't have to talk about Father's Day because that's not for another, whatever, six weeks. But what it does, I mean, to use the the obvious term here, I mean, there it's a binary, right? It's like we have we have mothers and fathers, and if you fit in this mold of what it looks like to be a mother, a quote unquote good mother in a Christian context, and a quote unquote good father in a Christian context, like we know, anyone who's listening to this pictures something very specific the second we say those words, and I think what we're getting at is that it doesn't need there. There's deeper conversations to be had here about what does it mean to be a man or a woman or a non-binary person or however you identify in a faith context and to know that God loves and sees and holds it all. Um, And it doesn't have to be this, you know, well, please stand up if you, you know, are a menstruating woman or like whatever. I mean, like, what's the category for like? (laughs) It feels so specific, even though we try to make it broad and yet still someone's ending up hurt. Yes. So like, what is the point there? Yes. I mean, in, in for non-gender conforming mothers, sure. They might not feel parents, like, yeah. yes. <laughs> and parents that are like, I don't like care even for like flowers or the sentiment or whatever, because we parent, you know? And I think that's like a really profound statement of, we want to have inclusive and kind language and that while always seeming like it's a taboo or some sort of like liberal conversation it's the most loving like to include everyone should start in the church it's at the very heart of god yes full stop yeah <laughs> full stop yes. and i think that when people maybe are listening to this and are thinking of like, um, I'm feeling a little bit offended because like I am a mom. I work hard. I'm trying to raise my kids in the church. I'm trying to make sure that they love Jesus. And I'm working so hard to make sure they're memorizing scripture and becoming good people and doing all of these things that were kind of trained to be like, this is the mark of a good mom is how you train up your child in the church. And I want some recognition for that or I deserve it. Like, yeah, you do. You absolutely do. (laughs) But it doesn't need to happen within these walls because this kind of partnership between parents and church should be an ongoing, constant support system, not just a nod on two specific days of the year. And so... When we are not creating a culture that uplifts mothers all throughout the year, we're totally missing the value that Jesus has placed on caretakers. few minutes ago, Nicole, you said, like, I'm 
happily, I can't remember how you said this, but like kind of setting aside like the flower I would receive today or whatever. Like I'm happy, happily laying that down to hold space for others. And I, that's just such a beautiful way of summarizing this. And I just want to name kind of before we go a step further, um, and you've already hinted at this, that I absolutely come at this from a place of privilege as well. Like, I mean, there's so much that we're talking about today that is so sensitive that you and I haven't experienced. Um, but that's all the more reason to talk mm. about it. We want, I think we, we mentioned this before we started recording, right? That we want our friends who are struggling today to feel like they can truly rest and mm. be cared for today. Um, and that someone else is, is naming the problem and the pain and they don't have to be the ones like bearing that for themselves. So I just want to name that before we go any further. That <laughs> yeah. is, that is so helpful in in feeling that we are not trying to silence the story of hurting people on this day we absolutely want you to rest and know that there are many of us who stand with you and want your perspective to be elevated to help any harm totally dissolve in the mother's days to come that this day, while maybe still causes a sting, won't be happening in the place that should be surrounded by love. That and to your point, we're celebrating the moms who are celebrating today. I mean, again, there's it's just this messy, messy tension of joy and goodness and grief and pain in all of it. And there's yeah, there's just so much of the human experience is wrapped up in this day. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it's it's messy. Yes. It's complicated. We want women to feel seen, but we're also not asking them to talk about their infertility struggles. <laughs> right. Like right. how insensitive. Stay tender. Stay soft. Let us advocate for you. But also, how can we move forward? How how can someone who hears this say, okay, these two women on this podcast right now really don't like Mother's Day in the church. So what are they going to do about it? I mean, in all full transparency, we attend the same church and we are recording this podcast currently and we're not there. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. Um, but again, it's something that if our church decides to do something for Mother's Day, we are committed to be people that are entering into conversations or putting perspectives in front of leadership's eyes and ears to help change systems and structures as people who attend. And I just want to give an encouragement of that can feel really daunting and really scary, depending on what kind of church environment you are in and what your leadership might look like. But the church is there to function for the people and you have a voice. So if there's something that's unsettling to you, you should be able to voice that. The people in leadership should be able to receive that. And if you resonate with any of this and feel like, yeah, maybe we shouldn't have Mother's Day. It is feeling kind of complicated and we don't need the photo backdrop and the women with their arms full of children. Yes. <laughs> in front of all for kids singing. Just we can do it a different Sunday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, all for, you know, the sake of maybe like a lovely photo, which could have happened at brunch after rather than having the other woman in the in the hallway, the other person, the other parent 
just feel or the other child. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely feel really gutted mm-hmm. by something that nobody's realizing how hurtful it is. So circling back, what can we do to make Mother's Day not just be a blip of appreciation for mothers slash women slash people who identify as some sort of mom? What can we do to make this space how we would want to dream it to be? Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, I can't stress enough how much I think there is so, so much of the motherhood experience is, is worthy of celebration. And I would never want to undercut that. Um, but I think there's this interesting trend that we kind of almost borderline, I don't, I don't know if this is the right way to say this, but we kind of borderline worship mothers on this one day of the year. Um, which in many cases, in the case of my mom and your mom, that's well-deserved. It's like, they deserve it all. And yet we then kind of set women to the side again the rest of the year. And it's, you know, it's the expectation that they're helping with the kids and they're making the cookies and they're organizing the committees and they're doing all of these things, but there's not necessarily, um, and a, a consistent honoring of them in that, um, particularly in less egalitarian, uh, cultures and environments. Um, again, that, that wasn't necessarily the way I was raised, but as I've grown and heard different experiences, there are so many churches that would, you know, never allow a woman to speak or to pray or to lead or to do something. And yet this one Sunday of the year, all of a sudden they decide, oh, let's, let's get a woman up here. Let's have, you know, someone essentially, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Really just in one person encapsulate kind of the stereotype or the ideal of what it means to be a Christian woman. Like, uh, well, it's become the ultimate. Exactly. Right. I mean, and it's, and we're picturing, yeah, we're picturing perhaps a pastor's wife, perhaps just a very involved woman in the woman in the church, because of course it would be a pastor's wife. Like that's yeah, like, let's be clear. <laughs> Tell about me that. about it. She couldn't be a pastor. <laughs> um, and yeah, and she's, you know, she's very involved and she's very hospitable and she's very like kind and gentle and nurturing and her kids are well behaved and they all come to church and they take the family photo in front of the backdrop or whatever it is. And it's, sharing this message for children in the nursery all the way through, you know, grandparents that are in that community, that this is the ideal, that this is what we celebrate today. This is what we honor. This is what we esteem. Um, But next week it's back to whatever you said earlier about like illustrations of tools and, you know, trucks and football. Like (laughs) we need to get back to the good old like masculine Christianity. And I think there's so much more to be celebrated about mothers and about the experience of being a woman throughout the entire year. And I think that is something that isn't regularly thought about or packaged in a way of let's make sure Mother's Day sentiments are is just the culture of the church environment where we are 
always celebrating the hard work of moms, Mm -hmm. where we are making sure that we as people who are in this community and we as people who are on staff in our separate outside lives are advocating for women to have equal pay, Mm -hmm. are trying to get better maternity, paternity leave, are doing the things that we value women and we are committed to elevating this. We are looking at scripture from Sunday to Sunday to Sunday and seeing these stories and seeing how would a woman's perspective be thought about during this talk? What were the women in the biblical times thinking about during this? How can we take all of the stories, all of the things that we have grown up, or at least I have, in a masculine tone of God being this one way and be all-encompassing, that it's an everyday women can do everything. Well, and celebrating all forms of womanhood, right? I, when I was in college, I remember the first time it was, it must have been my first year of college because I went to church and it was the first Sunday that I was at a church that wasn't my home church. Like the first Mother's Day that I was at a church that wasn't my home church, Um, which I, I do have to give a shout out. As I think about a lot of this, I do remember some like flowers and things, but it was never a huge deal in the churches I grew up in. Like I, I think I think there was a bit of a needle threaded here. And some of my thoughts probably come from the home I grew up in that I think valued <laughs> some of these things. But nonetheless, it, it it's a thing. And again, I just wasn't nearly as aware of it at the time. But I remember, again, being like 19 or 20 years old, whatever it is, I'm at college and I go to church on Mother's Day, not even really thinking it's Mother's Day because I'm at college. So nobody, you know, like that's just not the, and I show up at church and they ask all women over the age of 18 to stand so that the kids can come out and give a flower, which in theory, you're like, that's great. That's so inclusive, right? Like this is, this is wonderful. And I wanted to die, like absolutely die. Someone who's very secure in my womanhood and in, but here I am 19 years old and just like, I would rather shrivel. And I'm not afraid of being in front of people. Like it's not because I had to stand up. It's because all of a sudden it was just this like, well, I think I maybe want to be a mom someday, but also what if I don't like, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm 19. Like I don't. And now I'm being honored in the same way that this grandmother who's 79 over here is being honored. Like she's raised however many kids in the whole damn church. Like she's, you know, like, Hey, you as a 19 year old, just know that this is kind of your duty and expectation. And it was just this like, Oh, but someday you'll, you know, someday you'll be a mom or whatever. And I think even like we need to celebrate moms, period, like full stop. Absolutely. Moms need to be honored, celebrated, nurtured in their own way, seen. And then we also need to celebrate women that just, that aren't moms. And that's okay because they're still mothering in so many other ways and contributing in so many other ways, uh, whether, yeah, married, single, gay, straight, whatever it is, like however they express their womanhood. Um, There's kind of two parts here. There's the motherhood piece and then there's the womanhood piece. So that's just, yeah, something else that kind of comes to mind. Absolutely. And I think when we're trying to piece this together with, with how this continues to surround the church, we so often neglect the idea of God as a mother 
And when we choose to not see that as some sort of taboo subject or some progressive, liberal, feminist view, but we can see that this is actually the poetic nature of scripture, of David choosing to use the words of preparing a table before you in Psalm 23. Mm -hmm. And and culturally, men didn't prepare tables. Mm -hmm. This is clearly talking about God as a woman, as a mother, tending to these things, sheltering chicks under her wing, someone who makes bread and feeds the family. All of these instances, it so often gets neglected or the language around it is always Father God, he, he, he. And so when you start to try to retrain your brain to allow that to be an option it's a lot of work Mm -hmm. and so therefore women will always kind of feel taboo and always secondary and always maybe kind of an option rather than Mm -hmm. the culture Mm -hmm. of god as both he Mm -hmm. father masculine tendencies Mm -hmm. also female mothering and also the in-between of being a non-binary god spirit yes (laughs) that that can be seen so much in all of creation of not just nighttime and daytime but there's sunsets and sunrises in this beautiful amalgamation and it's just i just long so much for a culture to be created where my children can grow up knowing that this is the language that we use, Mm -hmm. none of this is out of the ordinary. Mm -hmm. Having to say mother God, having to say she, she protects me, she cares for me, thank you God. Those kinds of things I think will take the need of a Mother's Day off the table Mm -hmm. because women are constantly feeling represented Mm -hmm. and mothers are feeling represented because they image God. Yes, yes. And when you are constantly feeling at your church community that you bear God's image in exactly who you are, that is empowering mm-hmm. to feel like I don't really need anything specific on a certain day or on a certain sermon even because it's just the back and forth language of it all. A random Sunday, I can feel like, yeah, we spoke on like God as mother was his tending and and I'm not actually that much of a tender person. Sure. Maybe I don't re- right. resonate right. that much. Yeah. But I know that there are people that do rather than this harsh, brash, judgmental or or what have you. Absolutely. And I just think when we can come to a place in our church community that feels confident and necessary to use inclusive language not for the sake of some weird agenda, but for the fact that this is God. And if we are all image bearers of God, then God must be all of these Mm -hmm. things too. And I know that my background, that might be a hot take, um, but I just feel like that's a pretty biblical take. Mm -hmm. And if it's new, See how that makes you sure. feel. Yeah. Try it on. Try praying to Mother God tonight. Yes. yes. <laughs> and I think that's something that, I, in all transparency, this was not easy for me. I wasn't like, oh, yeah, I, that makes sense to me. Like, it takes me a long time to form opinions and conclusions and 
untraining and unlearning a lot and just learning how to be more open-minded to the possibility of if I said this, if I prayed this, if I heard this regularly, who is it offending? Who is being harmed? If it's no one, then let's go for it. And so like even just singing songs with our children at night and replacing the pronouns with she or they and reading books about mother god and just trying to find resources of someone who loves jesus and wants Mm -hmm. my children as a mother to also love others and love jesus we need to have our spaces be filled with tools Mm -hmm. and some of those tools are just being open and inclusive with how we speak about god yeah mothering's at the very heart of who god is um i mean yeah there's all of these analogies in scripture about parenthood but yeah we're so so quick to ascribe them to a masculine parent um but yeah i know for me i yeah again i'm lucky enough to have two parents i have wonderful relationships with but it would be ridiculous for me to think that only one of those resembles you know they're they're different people like my mom and my dad and and i think that they're both reflecting God's love for me in the way that they've cared for me and um yeah and in the the soft and nurturing ways and in the like tough love ways and in everything in between um there's just yes there's just so that's what a relationship is right it's not about um fitting into one kind of box or set of roles it's it's understanding the whole spectrum yeah i think just moving forward our call would be Hey, churches, let's take out Mother's Day and continue to create a space where women are constantly thriving and flourishing, where we're being represented along along with all of our stories are being represented. And it becomes natural conversation where it's not something taboo, where we don't know how to handle the friend who lost their baby or the friend who is walking through infertility and we feel uncomfortable about how to have the conversation about a friend who didn't want their baby and this wasn't the time and and to be in a safe space where we're learning how to have those conversations and caring for these people not just the one day a year well and if you want a woman if you want to hand over the mic to a woman God forbid, right? But <laughs> no, let's, I mean, absolutely that should be happening. Don't do it on Mother's Day. Like give her a freaking break. Like don't make day a mom preach on Mother's Day or even organize whatever Mother's Day activities, right? Like if you do not identify as a woman or a mother, step up on Mother's Day and get her out the door and to the spa or whatever, wherever sleeping in, who cares what she's doing? (laughs) Like no one wants to be organizing or working more on the day that they're being celebrated. (laughs) Are are there those people that really, really love that? I mean, Lord bless you and keep you. It's not Nicole and Zaina. (laughs) We're very much like, uh, a break would be great. I would love to be. I mean, in theory, how good are we actually at that? But yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I think this conversation is really important it can be really messy we obviously want to hold all the tension but those of us who have friendships with people who have gone through these types of hardships they don't happen on mother's day they happen constantly throughout the year 
And when your friend miscarries a baby, you don't know what to say and you don't know how to show up sometimes because it's not talked about or modeled on an everyday kind of context with church or I'm not saying we need to share about all of like the hard loss right, you don't but need to air your dirty laundry yes. every day right but when it feels like oh I don't want to say the wrong thing or I don't know how to show up or or I'll you know make it uncomfortable like we need to be actively learning how people who are hurting feel healed and that takes a lot of work because all women who are walking infertility, all people, fathers as well, who are going through this, all of these people who are longing for a child in some sort of capacity and it's not coming to the fruition that they're expecting are hurting. How do we help heal? And when we can be in a church context of learning, here's how we can heal, whether through our words or through our acts, whatever that looks like. Even if it's just gaining inspiration from someone who like, oh, my friend went through that and I did this. And mm-hmm. and it's something that we can feel seen throughout the entire year. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's awkward to talk about death and loss, yeah. but how can we show up to help heal? Like we are here to love and liberate and bring healing yes. as Jesus did. Yes. And if we're just doing it a time or at random points, it's it's not actually, yeah, it's not in it. our DNA. <laughs> and how do we make this part of our DNA is that we're getting uncomfortable because change never happens if you stay comfortable. It's by going out and making a mistake or saying the wrong thing, but being bold enough to say, I'm so sorry I said the wrong thing. I'm going to do better. Like, I'm not going to forget you. And I'm sure a lot of people in this conversation on Mother's Day feel forgotten. And some people don't even want the attention because it's too much. And we're not even mentioning all the, I mean, to be clear, there are people listening to this that we have no idea what they are feeling and experiencing today. Yeah, we have not touched on the, the depth. Of, yeah. I, yeah, if to, to me, if we think about the role of the church in this, if if we are people who are proclaiming a God who loves and a God who heals and a God who makes dead things new, you know, like if, if these are like the things that we are going to hold to and yet people who are hurting and grieving have to skip church one Sunday or have to leave the sanctuary in tears or whatever it is, if they feel so hurt by that, then we are not doing our job. So (laughs) yeah, like let's let's not like let's not make one Sunday of the year so loaded that people feel like they literally cannot be safe in the very space. Like that's I think exactly what Shannon was saying in her quote at the beginning, right? Like it's like this is meant to be a place of healing and belonging and wholeness. And we have enough brokenness around us. Like friendships are broken, families broken, workplaces are broken, all these different things. And like no, we know the church isn't perfect. Like, hello. Like, why do you think we're having this conversation, right? But if we are not striving to make it a place of healing and wholeness and where people are seen and celebrated, however they are experiencing life right now in whatever way, then we are not doing that. Then then we're not, I would say like, then we're not actually living into the heart of mother God, right? Who sees everyone and loves everyone and celebrates everyone today and always.
Well, we just want to say thank you, Sana, for your perspective, for your fire. Having this conversation. Yes. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I feel like we could keep going for we, hours. We absolutely could. And so with that being said, follow Sana on her platforms. Oh, yeah. We'll t- <laughs> Add that to the show notes, Very too. Very fancy Instagram account that I hold. It is <laughs> inspiring words. She has a way with words that's really beautiful. And also thank you to churches who aren't doing Mother's Day today and to the people who listen to this and think, you know, maybe next year we'll tap out. Um, let us know what you think about all of that. And we're happy to engage To those of you that today is really hard, we honor you and we see you and we hope you can rest however your heart and your body and your soul needs to. To those of you that identify as mothers and have a healthy relationship, we want to celebrate you too. And hopefully you get some some rest as well. (laughs) But thank you to the churches that are doing your part into making women feel loved and liberated and helping mothers feel supported in whatever dreams that they pursue. You are doing the Lord's work. Yes, literally. (laughs) (laughs) So yes, um, if you are part of one of those faith communities, I hope you feel honored today and every single Sunday and every day um, as you should. And if you are looking for some sort of celebration and aren't getting it, let us know. We want to celebrate you. Yeah, we give you a shout. Raising the glass to you. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. Some pancakes and a nap. Yes. So again, thank you, Sana, for joining us. As we close, is there anything else you want to say? Anything you want to plug? Any lasting impressions you want our listeners to take away? And I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. I, I don't have anything to plug. I, I didn't come prepared with the sales pitch. Um, but I, I think I would just say, yeah, again, like wherever you are today, whatever you're experiencing, whatever you're holding, whatever day you're listening to this, it probably isn't mother's day, but, uh, may, may you know that you are just loved and held by an unconditionally gracious and merciful God who sees you and knows you and who's in whose image you were created.